So there is a consistency about how they approach things that I think is a little bit mm -hmm. different. Two, there's a discipline about how they approach things, meaning they're willing to give up on some of what it looks like to be a regular college student mm -hmm. and, and really uh, narrow down and, and this is what their life is about. Welcome to the Talks Podcast with Easton Allred. This podcast will get you thinking outside of the box, fired up and inspired. Each week, I'll be interviewing someone to bring out their success story. Guests will help us find more happiness, better health, and optimize performance. Let's share the dream. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm elated to introduce you guys to today's guest, Dr. Tom Golightly. Dr. Golightly is the Assistant Director in Athletics for BYU Counseling and Psychological Services. He's been working specifically with student-athlete psychology for the last 15 years and helping student-athletes to uh, remove any obstacles preventing successful academic or sports performance. He conducts individuals, couples, and group therapy for student-athletes, and he also teaches performance psychology and contemporary issues for student-athletes at BYU. He's well-known among all of the athletes to be incredibly helpful. Um, definitely the cross-country team and the track team for sure has has spoken very highly of, of him and he's helped all of us to increase our performance. I've seen him many times and he's been a great tool for me in helping me to realize what's important and to better focus my attention on what matters and control what I can control. Today's episode is incredible. It's been so insightful to learn from him and and to better understand how we can be our best selves in terms of athletic performance, and then also just calming our mind to cope with just general things that come up in our lives as we are all pretty type A kind of wired athletes that are you know looking to achieve big things. But enough of me talking, let's get into the podcast with Dr. Golightly. The start of the podcast out by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at BYU and some of the things that you're passionate about. So Dr. Tom Golightly, I'm a counseling and sports psychologist here at BYU. Um, I'm a licensed psychologist, so I treat uh, mental health and performance concerns for student athletes. Uh, I've been here about 15 years and uh, working exclusively with student athletes for about 10, 11 years. Um, and I really enjoy what I do. I also have a private practice uh, that I uh, engage in on the side here a little bit in the evenings. and see high school and professional athletes that live here in the area and uh, I just really enjoy what I do and working with athletes along the entire spectrum um, but I uh, really enjoy the complexity of working with elite level highly competitive folks as well. Awesome and uh, you seem to be doing a good job too because BYU's teams that are you know especially like a lot of the smaller teams at BYU are really really good and you work with a lot of the teams and everybody seems to be thriving I think I don't remember what the stat is. Maybe you know, but BYU has like one of the top overall programs in the country. Oh well, uh, well if I have to get credit for wins, I have to take credit for losses too. <laughs> so I don't love thinking about wins. I just want people to, to you know, kind of flourish in their roles and be as uh, you know, kind of that thriving mm -hmm. sense in in their lives. And so uh, being able to help them thrive is great. And whether that leads to wins or losses, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but I do like to see people flourish. And what I also enjoy is uh, helping people all along uh, that continuum of care that, that need help, that have anxiety disorders, depressive disorders. And so helping them rise up and also taking those that are already functioning pretty highly to that next level of, uh, of elite functioning. Totally. I think you're in a unique position as well because 
being at BYU, you've seen, and, and being here for as long as you've been, you've seen a lot of athletes go from starting to uh, maybe later on in their careers when they're some of the top people in the country at yeah. whatever they do. True. And you understand better than most their mental processes going through all those things, the good and the bad. So I think you're the perfect guy to talk to in terms of having perspective on where these where these men and women are at um, in their heads. So I think that's really incredibly good to talk to you. And my first question is, what excites you most about what you do? Well, I, uh, you know, oh, that's a tough question in some ways. I love so many things, but I think one of the, you mentioned the journey, right? Like uh, uh, people coming in and uh, maybe even have to work at even seeing the field or, or gaining a travel spot or whatever it is. And seeing them really thrive in sport is awesome. But I would say maybe my most emotional day is actually around graduation in April. <laughs> Here at BYU, we graduate in April. And, and, and I think that seeing them become people, like their, their sense of self from when they came in as a late adolescent to now they're kind of an adult and they're ready to go launch into life. Seeing them and, and all of the ups and downs really overcome what they had to to get a degree and to go from here and, and really make something of themselves. Uh, that's a really emotional day and it's, it's, it's an awesome day and it's so fun to see people kind of become that best version of themselves. And for some it is, for a few it's, it's pro sport, you know, and that's awesome, right? That's really great for them. Um, but like I said, it's really about helping people become what they're going to become on their journey and that, Sometimes includes sport and sometimes doesn't, but but I do love seeing that accomplishment. And I think that's rare for a therapist even. A lot of times we just have conversations and then people go live their lives. Whereas a lot of my clients, I get to see their their stressors play out for good or for bad <laughs> in some ways. Um, but I really enjoy uh, seeing people become and, and not just getting the firsthand report, but being able to see it play out. Awesome. Um, I know we have a lot of things to talk about, but before we dive into all of it, I don't want to skip your background. Um, yeah. I, I know that you're an athlete. You want to talk about how about that a little bit and how it got you into doing sports psychology and, and just working with the athletes here? Well, believe it or not, it was my high school career. And while I had opportunities to kind of play uh, post-high school, uh, how my high school career played out with some pretty significant injuries towards the end of it and, and really figuring out identity development. And I wouldn't say I... I think people with anxiety and depression would be mad at me if I said I was anxious or depressed at that at that, that point. I wasn't definitely in, in a disorder, but I really had to figure myself out. I think identity for any teenager, but especially for one that you know, I played four sports in high school and just kind of uh, loved every bit of it. Um, but um, I would say uh, that impacted me. You know, as I as I thought about things that I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to coach uh, in in life. Um, but as I saw and, and, and remembered my experiences that I went through really towards the end of it, it took a couple of years to kind of have things ground out a little bit. Um, uh, I realized, Hey, I bet there are people that help people that go through that. And so I started really looking into it and that's when I was like, that's really impactful to me. So, uh, just to see um, the person behind the athlete and that, that we can do both, that we can get them to be highly functioning athletes, but also that there's stuff going on and that elite levels of, of sport, that those athletes have a little bit of different issue going on and development became different. And, 
and how they approached life really from the time they were in junior high on uh, makes for a little bit different of a makeup. And so uh, having a little bit of a subspecialty and being able to treat individuals that have been kind of going at it, um, I, I was just really, that that's what intrigued me is, is injury, overcoming difficulty, figuring out who I was, not just uh, in the, the milieu of sport, but outside of it. Totally. Cool. Uh, obviously, so much gold to go into there. We'll have to go into it slowly. But um, So as you're talking to all these different athletes and hearing everybody's stories, do you feel like you notice a trend in personalities of the type of people that are D1 athletes and highly competitive in a sport? So I would say they're... I don't know if it's like a personality style that I could that I could say here's one word to describe it, but I see different traits or, or, or a certain number of traits in in these individuals. I'd say one is consistency. Um, I look at at someone that, um, and I have to be careful. I have confidentiality with totally. with with totally. people that I work with, but there are there are some professional athletes right now that are currently currently playing that um, I remember seeing them as freshmen come in and you could see they approached their sport, they approached school, they approached their downtime very differently than, than everybody else. And it wasn't a, a, in a, I don't want to say this, in a standoffish kind of way, it wasn't off-putting to other people. It was, no, I'm going to make my choices about how I go about approaching uh, practice, how I prepare for practice, how I rehab from my injuries, how I focus on my schoolwork so that I don't have to have anxiety about school, I, how I get up and I eat right and I eat at the right time so I can recover correctly. So there is a consistency about how they approach things that I think is a little bit mm -hmm. different. Two, there's a discipline about how they approach things, meaning they're willing to give up on some of what it looks like to be a regular college student. And, and really uh, narrow down and, and this is what their life is about. When we come to school, you know, generally college students, they're trying to become professional in something. You're getting a degree to go get a professional job. Some of these individuals that, that go on to, I, I would say college is a pretty elite level, but that, that top of the top, that pro elite level, they have, that's what they're doing. That's why they came and their focus kind of hones in on that. So they know what that is and they don't get distracted away from that. So that consistent, disciplined effort is really important. But two, they're also willing to, I, I, the, the, the trait that I see is their effort and their attitude is, is the same every day. And whether they're, if they're a football player losing by five touchdowns or winning by five touchdowns, their effort on every play, you would not notice a difference. You just wouldn't notice a difference, right? Or uh, for uh, an elite runner, like doing what you're wanting to do with that run. And it's not always go, go PR in this race. We need you to place in this race, but I also need you to take care of yourself because we've got one coming up in three or four weeks and I need you to tip top shape for that, right? It's having the discipline to execute, uh, you know, every, every time out the way that you need to. And uh, showing up, and even though every workout isn't the best workout ever, they grind through and they get the best that they can out of that and makes them a little better every day. So I would say those are kind of some of those traits of, of. Uh, one other one that I see is they're also, they have a remarkable ability to be flexible 
with how they approach things. Meaning, okay, I was supposed to go on a, I don't know, 10 mile tempo run, you know, I don't know, I, I'm not a runner. I'm not a distance runner, runner. but, but uh, a 10 mile tempo run and it's snowing. Okay, now what? Like I might not be able to go out and run in that snow at tempo. So how am I going to adjust it? I'm not going to, I think it's worse. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be mad. I'm not going to, you know, mm-hmm. curse this and curse that. It's, it's just, okay. I still have to get that in. How do I get it in today? And I'm going to be flexible with how that goes. That's just one example. But if we have flexibility with how we approach problems that present themselves, I also see that in individuals that tend to be elite and they train that they train, let me be a little flexible. Right. Totally. totally. Yeah. And I, and I think myself being, you know, on the BYU cross country team and the track team and, and being around many elite athletes all the time, I think I notice all of the things that you're saying. I think you're spot on. And I think one thing I'd add to that in tandem is, is just kind of like this obsession about the sport mm-hmm. and like an all in nature where you just, you know, and in some ways you like eat, sleep and breathe that thing and you work so hard and you're so disciplined. And I think that there are downsides to that as well. And, yes. and, and I think that you know, most times in life, our best qualities also can become our worst qualities. So um, I'd love to hear you speak to some of those, some of the hard things about that kind of character that leads to elite athleticism. So I think it's, so I talked about discipline. I talked about consistency. It can, it can cross um, a bridge to become yeah, rigid pretty quickly, mm-hmm. right? When So I, I purposely didn't say the word um, obsessive with those people. Yeah. But I have seen those people err when they err. It, it is somewhat obsessive, mm-hmm. which isn't healthy. That's not going to help you become pro. I would say that's actually a detriment. Hmm. Interesting. And I would say that if you are too obsessive with it and it, it starts to bleed into your worth being based on performance, right? Whereas I think the elite people know who they are and their worth is still not related to how well they're doing at their sport. Now they, they perform incredibly well, but the obsessive kind of puts a different level of anxiety and stress and importance. And it's, it's a perfectionistic quality that it has to go well. Not I'd like it to go well, but no, this better go well. Or, you know, I feel terrible about myself as a human. Yeah. And that's where I think that's the distinction, right? Is this is when it's obsessive, whereas over here, you know, it's it's healthy, it's building. I want it to go well, but I know who I am outside of it. And when I'm done with practice or when I'm done with my workouts, I go home and I study and yeah. I hang out with my friends and I, or I, I have a spouse and I enjoy being with my spouse or my kids. Mm-hmm. I can get away from it in a healthy way. That doesn't mean that you're not totally all in while you're there, but you're just as all in in those other areas as you are in the sport area. And the obsessive component is this is it. This is I eat, I eat, live and breathe it. I this is this is what I'm doing. So interesting. So I, I'm I'm fully a believer in that concept, and I think that having gone through injuries myself and having to recognize my identity as something separate than that and going through the hardship that that brought. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know if you have any tips on how to allow yourself to be dedicated to a sport and give yourself, you know, the 1% extra effort. Because I think in athleticism, you know, a lot of it is about working just a little bit harder than the next guy, yeah. you know? So how do you allow yourself to be so dedicated to a sport and so motivated and want something so bad while also separating your identity from that and, and doing that in an effective way? 
I think, and, and this is, I'm a big believer in this, is, is engaging life mindfully. And by that, I mean not thoughtfully, not planfully. Mm. I mean being truly where you're at. As we're sitting here talking, I've got to be all in with you, Easton. Right? Mm. Like I can't be thinking about other things that I've got to be doing. I'm all in right here, right now. But if you can truly mindfully engage and let go of the things that are going on in the other context, but be where you're at, be where your feet are. That means your thoughts are there, your feelings are there. It, you know, you're, you're interacting and you're sensing and you're doing those things. We have an easier time doing this. We can actually learn this skill. But, um, yeah, I see a lot of people, if you're eating a really good meal, for example, you know, you're tasting, you're just enjoying the experience of eating, right? Mm -hmm where you're all in with your senses. So you're not then and there, you're not doing those things. And maybe the number one thing that lets me know that I'm not being mindful is when I reach for my phone. It's like I reach for my phone and I'm like, I'm not here, <laughs> right? I need to be here, I need to be all in where I'm at. Now, if you do that with sport, you're gonna get better at sport, right? You're gonna be all in, do everything you can that day to get better. But when you walk out of that locker room door, go be who you are outside of that door. Mm. And that's going to be a, a healthier way to kind of kind of do that, right? Yeah. If it's congruent to your value. I mean, that, that's that's maybe a little overly simplistic, but, um, you know, from, from a religious vein, you know, things, uh, living with your values, living according to your, to your you know, your set of, of rules that govern you, as long as it's congruent to that, you can't go be totally separate people in all of these areas. But but if you're consistent to how you want your life to look, then then we'll be okay. See you. Okay, cool. So I, I really like that you said that. I think that one thing I've noticed in in the athletes I've interacted with is people that are really, really good usually love their sport. And I think yeah. and I think that there is this idea that you have to put yourself through an unruly amount of pain mm. to find success. And <laughs> Spoken like a true distance runner. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because the guy who just broke the marathon record, yes. Kipped him, mm -hmm. just said that he's never felt pain in the marathon, which I call BS. I, I, also, <laughs> I also call BS. I also call BS. But I think that there there's an underlying message there, possibly, that maybe it's not all about like going through the most amount of pain possible. Maybe it's about being present where you yes. are and saying, I'm going to do this really hard workout or I'm going to cut out, you know, maybe bad foods for my life or go to bed earlier and make these sacrifices, but I'm going to enjoy that process. And, and, um, I was wondering if you could speak to some of the psychology of, of how, you know, enjoying that process can increase performance or is it just as simple as that? So I don't know too many, I'm trying to even think of an example of an elite athlete that doesn't go through hard things to, to yeah. really achieve. Right. Absolutely. Um, so if you like elite level sport is hard, it's very difficult. If you don't love it, it's not really worth it. Yeah. It's not worth the trouble. It's not worth the difficulty that you're going to experience. So, um, when you say, you know, psychologically, how do we love the process? Part of that is, is knowing that it's not going to be rainbows and daisies every day. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why you love it mm -hmm. is that it's challenging. If it weren't, if it were just about winning or achieving, you know, we would just go run against a bunch of elementary school kids and beat them, like you know, as as adults. But we don't do that because because we want the challenge, we want that difficulty. 
uh, and, and then the sense of accomplishment of overcoming that. So I think um, it's, it's really important then to, uh, to really be uh, uh, mindful of, of, of those things that you love about it and be intentional uh, about you know, what it is that you love doing, right? Now, um, that doesn't mean that it, that it takes the, the heart away. It doesn't mean that you, that you have all the things easy. But it does say, hey, I can tolerate a certain amount of difficulty and I can embrace this. But I think an elite level athlete knows exactly where that line is between this is good pain and this is injury. It's too much. Right. Yeah. And so um, too many, when we go back to that obsessive mindset, they will overtrain and overtraining is, is not helpful for you. Right. And, and overtraining is you're not recovering from your workouts and you're, you're doing too much. Um, because we believe in that as you sometimes it's kind of magical thinking that if I work hard enough, I'll get what I want. And that's not always the case, right? That's not how life works. We can work hard and we can be at our best and we still might not get what we want. Um, so we have to know, let me push myself to my limit. But then when I get there, I need to back off and be okay with it and accept that that's my limit. Interesting. Cool. So I think in terms of, you know, becoming a better athlete, you have, uh, this kind of mindset of like, okay, I'm going to be work harder than anybody else. And that is how I'm going to achieve success. And I think, um, in some cases that's true. In other cases you need to back down. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that's more common right now than I've seen in the past mm-hmm. is young athletes just being absolutely wired. I would agree. Just yes. Really, really willing to put in the work mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes it's a little too much. So, yes. So I, I think that's a really good insight to recognize that you really do have to be able to read your body. And, and some of the best athletes I've met have done that too, where I'm like, wow, like it's crazy that you're willing to just relax here and have fun and, mm-hmm. and do that. And I think it's, it's also very important for longevity of the sport. You know, yeah. I, I look at guys like Jared Ward and Clayton Young and those guys have just been having fun the whole time and, mm-hmm. and, you know, look at the results that it's bringing to them. But, um, I think the other side of that is, okay, maybe I can't work harder than everybody else because there's a limit, especially with like long distance running as a focus, there's a limit to how hard you can work. Right. So what's the other side of the equation mentally that you can do to, you know, be better than your opponent? Things like visualization, affirmation, th- those types of things. So there's definitely mental skills to get ready. And you mentioned a few of them, I think, um, I would say the skills have to get you ready emotionally they have to get you ready from a focus standpoint and they have to uh get you ready just um you know from a behavioral standpoint meaning what's going on in your body and i think uh uh professional athletes are uh, particularly attuned to all three of those things they know what works and what doesn't for Mm. them um so i would also say becoming an expert Becoming a true pro, being a pro isn't just putting your best performance out there. It's why is my coach asking me to do this workout right here at this time in my training cycle? Let me know about that. Um, you know, all the little details of um, the equipment, you know, why, you know, let's say I, I run New Balance, right? Why did New Balance do this with their shoe? You know, why did, you know, why did Brooks do this with their shoe? Why did Nike do this with their shoe? Right, so get all the little ins and outs, like become an expert, become a true expert. If you're gonna be a pro, go be a pro all the way, right? Um, and when I'm working sometimes with, uh, with uh, college student athletes, let's say football, basketball, 
And I say, you know, if we're going to, if you want to be a pro, then you've got to start learning like a pro. When you start watching film with your coaches, if they have time, sit down, ask them, you know, what are you looking for? How are you breaking this down? What, and, and you can learn a lot from the people that have put in the work Mm. as you put in your own work. You know, why is it that we're doing these things? Don't just say yes, sir. And, and, and move on or yes, ma'am and move on. It's tell me why we're doing this right here, right? Totally. I love that. And I think that with that, there's a healthy amount of buy-in. Mm-hmm. You know, like why is New Balance doing this with these shoes? Why is my coach having me run this workout? Why, 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 mm-hmm. why? And I think the more you understand that, the more you can buy into a process and allow yourself to be like present in the workouts and pre- present in every detail. And I think right. that when you know why something is benefiting you, the, the, the mental effect of that on your body is tangible. Mm-hmm. And and I, th- yeah, I really think that buy-in is... Um, a super important part of that process. And then, so one thing that I'm I'm really curious about, and I've actually been curious about for a long time, is I grew up really believing this idea that you know you become who you believe you are. I think that was a really popularized and, mindset shift that you you know athletes were told to have is like uh, you know one of the best ways to be the best is to believe that you're the best. And you wake up in the morning, you look at yourself in the mirror, and you tell yourself you're the best. And um, that's done through through visualization as well. I used to get up every morning and I used to like lay in my bed and, you know, like visualize myself like going and crossing the finish line and being in first and beating every other athlete. And I like totally lived my life that way. And then when I got sick and, you know, everything kind of hit the fan and I stopped performing well, all that stuff was just, it was just hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, and um, I read the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving It Up. <laughs> yeah heard of it um and it kind of just takes every self-help book i've ever read and just kind of tosses it out (laughs) and so and so i'd love to know your opinion on finding the balance between believing you can become something and seeing yourself as that person and caring a little bit less and just you know taking these as they go and not believing you're special and just earning it because that's that side of the equation psychologists talk about cognitive distortions i don't know if you've heard of that term but it's kind of like patterns to our irrational thinking right And there are times, there's two somewhat related cognitive distortions. And one is maximizing or, or blowing things out of proportion and minimizing, which is that's not a problem for me, even though it's a glaring problem for you. Right. So part of what I'm saying is we, we, we tend to want to, um, we tend to overdo things a little bit. And, and so our assessment has to be grounded in reality. For example, you can think you're the best, but if you get sick, you're not going to be at your best. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being sick. That's not anyone's fault, right? Totally. Um, so we, we, there's, there is a certain limitation to, you know, looking your mirror and saying, I'm the best, I'm the best at what I do, right? Mm-hmm. If you've ever watched the American Idol tryouts, my mom told me I was the best, so I'm here. And you're like, wow. Mm. <laughs> great job mom but you know you, you know what i mean like then then there's the the reality of this is as fast as i'm gonna be able to go yeah right totally. like i can say i'm 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 fast i'm the fastest i got but you know mm. there are people that might be fat and that's fine i think it's poor psychology to 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 kind of make that comparison in your affirmation what I would say is the affirmation should be about becoming the best you you can be, right? And how do I build to be the best athlete I can be? 
You know, I don't know if I'm the fastest swimmer, but am I going to be the best swimmer that Tom Golightly can be? Mm. That's what I really want to build up to become, right? How do I maximize what I'm bringing to the table? Not in relation to others, but just let me be the best athlete I can be. Mm -hmm. Then we're really trying to get somewhere with our psychology. So a lot of athletes, I'm sure you're well aware of this, are taught to set something very tangible. You know, I'm going to finish top three or top five or top 10 or whatever it is in the state. And I think it's a lot harder to quantify what that means to be the best Easton or Tom Golightly mm-hmm. rather than saying top one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? So I would say a good goal setting strategy is to have a mix of process and outcome oriented goals. If there's an outcome, they're usually longer term in the distance, but I would avoid it being a place finish, a time that I have to hit. I, I, and I would have process goals. I want to do these types of things along the way, which lead to good outcomes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's less about I need to, you know, be the state champion and more about, hey, here's how I set myself up to be the state champion. And so I think it's really, really difficult um, because those those outcome goals have a double-edged sword. If I don't hit it, then what? Now I'm... But now I'm feeling really bad about myself. And, and, but if I, if I'm setting the process goals and kind of making it like, Hey, am I, am I growing as a runner? Right. Mm-hmm. But they can also be limiting, right? Yeah. There are some high school athletes that I know that can go out and just work a high school field. Right. Yeah. And that's not going to help them be the best that they can be. Totally. It's like, no, how do I become the best runner I can be? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's also something that's kind of. So it can be limiting in a way, one, to have outcome goals, but two, it can also be a little too punishing. So maybe maybe it's kind of like setting things that you know feel reasonable and then being more focused on processes. I think, yes, yes. So you, you kind of mix up, here's where I want to go. Let's say I want a shot at becoming a professional. Well, what are the things that I have to do along the way? You know, how how do I increase my mileage per week? How do I increase, you know, those types of things, right? That's, I think, really, how do I incorporate speed work and weights and nutrition and all of those things? You can have all of those types of goals, but those are process goals that are going to help you kind of get the outcomes that I was putting in the end. Cool. So I think that a lot of athletes at some point in their career, you know, they're cruising, they're getting better every race, and all of a sudden things kind of start to slow down. And you hit a point where you're just really not getting much better. Yeah. You hit the same amount of plateau yeah. six times in a row. Well, how do you help athletes get through plateaus? A lot of it is just trusting your process, mm-hmm. right? So if, if a lot of times people are saying I'm plateaued, it's because they're they're back to focusing on outcomes. The outcomes are the same. Are you still becoming a better runner, right? Yeah. Um, I, 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 I've seen pro athletes talk about this in a lot of ways, saying, I it, I think Kobe even might have said this toward the end of his career, I'm a better basketball player now. I'm not as physically gifted as I was, but I'm a better basketball player. And a lot of it was just how he managed games, how he managed leading, how he managed himself with the ups and downs of competition. That made him a better basketball player. It wasn't, I drop 81 every game. I had an 81 game. Why can't I do that the next night? Mm. Too many athletes are like, why don't I shoot 81 every night? Totally. And it's like, that's never the way that was going to go. But are you a better basketball player for incorporating all of those experiences that you've had and mentally you're managing things better? You're a better professional towards the end of your career. That makes total sense. Totally. Even though 
you know, if I'm a quarterback, I'm not throwing the ball 70 yards down the field at 40 years old, but I might be a better quarterback. Cool. Well, thank you. You've shared some really good things. I just have two more questions. Sure. So um, the first is, you know, you, you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. You see a lot of athletes who go through their careers. They, you know, they have a lot of fun. They, you know, they achieve a lot of great things. And then at some time, it's at some point, it's time to, you know, set the ball down, stop mm-hmm. running, stop playing basketball, mm-hmm. and move on. Obviously, that's such a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I would love to know what things have you found have been helpful for athletes to be able to, you know, to take their success they've had and move it forward in a way that's helpful and not diminishing. So the only thing that's undefeated in sport is age. Age is undefeated. <laughs> so it doesn't matter whether it's injury or someone saying you don't have opportunity anymore or after a long, long pro career where you did everything you wanted. Time catches up, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, um, one, those that make the transition better have developed other areas of their lives. Those that haven't really, really struggle to make that transition. Mm-hmm. I don't know Tom Brady Right. But I look at, you know, we seemed a little ambivalent about that last year, but I, I just honestly think he was, he was so all in to football for so long. It's a hard transition. I don't blame him. I don't shame yeah. him at all. Right. That is a difficult, difficult transition. Mm-hmm. So I think if we are, are trying to develop and be truly mindful in all the areas of our life, we kind of know when it's time and we're ready for that next step. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a pro athlete recently, just this summer who um, is still, you know, doing well in, in their career, uh, but, you know, bumped into this person and they said, um, I'm starting to see what's next for me. That doesn't mean I'm done, but I'm starting to see what's next. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is someone who is approaching this about as best as they possibly can, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a natural point where you start to see other areas that, and you're just genuinely interested in that, right? Now, sometimes when you don't choose the timing, that can be harder to find. But if all along the way you're paying attention to areas outside of that thing, you're probably a little bit better off than, than, than just doing the one thing and having that be the only thing. The other thing I would say is uh, relationships. Like know who you are and the people around you. Know who your group is. We're all trying to do that from teenagers and on. Um, but if you know truly who your people are, that makes any transition really worth it. And, and they're going to help you through that and help you. Uh, if you're struggling to know who that person is outside of the sport context, they're going to they're gonna help you kind of hold that over a little bit. Totally. Love it. Cool. So for the last question, yeah. you've seen a lot of athletes, you know, come in here maybe their freshman year and they, you know, they see, they see things a certain way. And then, you know, they leave end of their college career having achieved whatever they've achieved, and there's a maturity process that happens there, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast are maybe to be high schoolers that that want to go play college sports or play professional sports. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for them in their athletic maturity and, and from a sports psychology perspective of things they can do now to best prepare themselves for their sport? This is going to sound like such a rainbows and daisies kind of answer, but what I would say to high school students is enjoy high school because there is enough time for this to be semi-pro, pro when you get to college, when you get, and if, if, if college happens, it happens. And, and the people that end up here, it, I hate to say this, there's a little bit of luck involved. 
the right person sees you on the right days. Yeah. You know, you could be super fast. You could be a great ball player and, and never get seen. And, you know, that, that just is what it is. So if that's going to happen, if that was meant to be in your life, it's going to happen for you. You can't make it happen. You can't force your way in. You're going to get offers or you're not going to get offers. But to play a sport at early age for the offer, I say is a big mistake. Just enjoy doing what you're doing, when you're doing it, where you're doing it. And I think that that's something that's a little bit lost because we have started earlier and specializing earlier and wanting, you know, recruiting has started a lot earlier in the last couple of decades. You know, back when I was playing, it wasn't really until your junior year that you started hearing from anybody. Yeah. And it was, you know, high school sports was a blast. It was just so, we just weren't thinking about, oh, I hope I get a look. Mm. It was just, let's go ball out yeah. and let's see what happens. And and it was fun. And I think we've lost that a little bit. So I'd, I'd say connect to your sport, fall in love with your sport, enjoy what you're doing. Because when it gets hard, you're going to fall back on that love and that passion that you have for the sport that gets you through the difficulties that show up. Awesome. Thank you. I agree. I think it's a lot of keeping the passion for the sport, keeping it fun, keeping it light. And definitely high school is, is, is all about those things. Yeah. There's plenty of time to take it really seriously. And even when you are taking it seriously, still keeping it passion. You've still got to kind of, I totally agree. Definitely. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we are so fortunate to hear from Dr. Golightly. Thank you so much. For oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sweet. <laughs>